Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Thursday, the 27th of May, 2021. Can't believe we're nearly at the end of May and nearly in here in Australia, at least, approaching the first day of winter, which is uh, only next week, which is, my God, it's uh, how quickly does the year go? We're already nearly in the sixth month of that year. Anyway, trust you're doing well, trust your business is going well, and trust your leadership is going exceptionally well as well. So on today's episode, I wanted to follow on from yesterday's conversation where we talked about continuing to take the shots. Now, today I wanted to dive a little bit more into a bit of the psychology of sales, and hopefully this will be of value to you, not only as a sales leader, but certainly for your sales team as well when it comes to you, I guess, setting the setting the expectations and also for you coaching and mentoring them. And it's really interesting. I just literally, as I'm, as I'm recording this, just got off a coaching call with uh, with one of my uh, one of my really good clients actually, and we were talking about this in relation to the work that they do, the services they provide, and how they go to market and how they bring clients on. And I said, just think about how you guys have been doing this in the last three to six months. You're actually demonstrating uh, the psychology of winning and the psychology of sales, like we should be, like most salespeople should be. And they said, well, what's really interesting? It doesn't feel like. We're selling, I said, that is absolutely gold because that's exactly where we want to get to, where we're not feeling as if we are selling anybody because they are coming to us. They are doing the buying. And so I did want to delve into this in a little bit because when you think about sales, and if you ask, for example, if you asked 100 people what they thought about sales or how they would describe sales, you would get a whole gamut of different responses. Now, as we alluded to yesterday, a lot of people see sales and salespeople as you know, snake oil salesman. And then typically people would use these type of terminologies and type of language. Slick, snake oil salesman, very pushy, very arrogant. Uh, some would even say, you know, salespeople have to be really extroverted because they have to go and talk to people. They have to convince people. They have to influence people. Um, they might even say that they're poor listeners. They're tenacious. They're closers. They're always closing. They're always looking for the for the big deal, looking for the next deal. Um, and maybe they'll also say not to be trusted. Now, there's a whole gamut of uh, of descriptions and a whole gamut of different types of language that people would use typically to describe salespeople. Now, uh, I very rarely come across somebody who doesn't have either a background in sales or really an intimate knowledge of sales who would not describe sales and selling and sometimes salespeople as not one of those type of words that I've just I've alluded to. But the list goes on. So think about your own experiences with with salespeople. Now, whether it be, you know, door-to-door salespeople, and I know that door-to-door selling is becoming less and less uh, prevalent. And in fact, the Victorian government is about to introduce legislation to make door-to-door selling for energy retailers or by energy retailers uh, illegal. So door-to-door salespeople tend to be the uh, the experience a lot of people have with salespeople. And some retail salespeople can actually be, dare I say, dodgy in terms of giving you the impression they just want to get a sale. They just want you to buy a product. And telemarketers is another one as well because uh, having worked in telemarketing, having worked in sales in telemarketing, uh, often telemarketers are given scripts and they're literally told when somebody says this, this is the type of objection, this is what we say. 
And so when you've got a person on the end of the telephone, they are what they consider to be a live live potential customer. So we have to be always looking for opportunities where we can close them on the on the call. And this is where sales gets a bad rap. And this is where people's reputation also gets a bad rap. And, and sales as a whole, as an industry, potentially also gets a, a bad rap. Now, by contrast, if you think about it, how many times have you heard people describe sales as an industry or people as salespeople as uh, these type of descriptions or using language similar to this? Expert, partner, trusted advisor, friend, problem solver. Not many, right? And yet, this really is the essence of sales. Now, as we talked about yesterday, sales is all about problem solving and it's the ultimate form of service. Now, as we talked about, if you can articulate a problem and identify a problem that a potential piece of the market has or a particular customer might experience, and if you can articulate that problem in a way that they understand, but also in a language that they they get and think, wow, you can articulate it better than they can actually articulate it, then on an unconscious level, that particular customer will attribute you as having a potential solution to that problem. Now, where the ultimate form of service comes in is we then are obligated to provide a solution to that problem, and that becomes a level of service. It's no longer pushing, it's no longer convincing, it's a customer wanting to step forward and take the solution because we've actually been able to articulate that problem and in the process been able to articulate a solution to that problem once the problem has been identified. And so the key question today that we want to address is how can we get there? Now when you think about it, and this is the experience I've had, I've experienced this myself when I was a sales leader and I've seen this countless times and this is one of the key reasons why I work with sales leaders today. What do most sales leaders do in most organizations? Now, this is a generalization, and I know there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but this is what I've seen, and this is what I continue to see in the sales leadership ranks today in most organizations. They get their target, and often their sales target is given to them by their senior executives, might even be uh, cascaded down from the board. The sales target never gets smaller, it always gets bigger. So the cascade of the target comes down, sales leaders give the target to the team, the team are then expected to go and do whatever it takes to hit that target. And the conversations around the target, the conversations therefore around the behaviors and the activities is all about, guys, you need to actually go out and close deals. I'm going to be here to help you. I'm going to be here to encourage you. I'm going to be here to support you. But the whole purpose is we need to close deals, which means the the psychology behind that is no wonder the people are under pressure to hit numbers because the focus is on the number. It is the number, the number, the number. What are you going to close this week? What are you going to close next week? What are you going to close at the end of the month? We've got the end of the quarter coming up. We've got to make sure our forecast is accurate. So are you going to forecast what you're going to hit? And are you going to hit that forecast? Therefore, let's get stuff done. Is it any wonder that salespeople are under pressure? Is it any wonder that sometimes they appear desperate? And how do you think that comes across to a potential customer when... The salesperson is under pressure and they're desperately needing to close a deal in order to hit their target. Just think about this from a psychological perspective. What do you think a customer is going to do when they sense that the salesperson has a a level of desperation or a level of neediness, right? What do you think their reaction is going to be? Well, the common practice is going to be they're going to push back. And (laughs) it happens time and time and time Again, so why is it that we as sales leaders continue to push the barrow and push the pressure back onto the sales team to just get the number? And our entire conversation as part of that is, why aren't you getting the number? What are you going to do to close the gap? It's all about looking at the number and almost making the number as the ultimate prize. Now, 
Let's change this. Let's flip it on its head and think about what are the elite and professional, highly professional, exceptional salespeople do and the exceptional sales leaders do that is different. Well, first and foremost, what they do is they never, ever push. They never convince. They don't have to convince anybody. What they do, though, is they hold their customers accountable because they've done one thing, which is the difference that makes all the difference. They've identified what the ultimate prize is, and it's not the product, it's not the service, it's not the finances, it's not the customer. The ultimate prize is them. Now, I'll say that again. The ultimate prize is them. Now, when you think about that, and this is not an arrogant approach, and you might be sitting there thinking, oh, that's just arrogant thinking, well, the ultimate prize is me. Uh, people have to deserve the right to do business with me. Well, that's that. you could think about that as being an arrogant approach. But I guarantee you, the moment you think about you being the ultimate prize, your entire psychology changes. Your entire mannerisms change. Your language changes. Your whole presence changes. And here's the thing. It's a completely different, and some would say a counterintuitive approach. Now, I've put this in place for a lot of clients, and it works every single time. Does that mean you close 100% of the business deals that you go to? Absolutely not. And it's not about closing 100% of the deals. It's about being really comfortable and in the knowledge that you are the prize, that you don't need the customer. You don't have to convince the customer to do business with you. And the whole line of questioning, the whole line of conversation, actually from a psychological point of view, puts the customer or the potential customer at ease to the point where there's no there's no sense of uh, desperation, there's no neediness that comes across, and therefore there's no tension that's created in the relationship that forces the customer to want to push away from you because they don't feel as if you're trying to flog anything because it's not about that. In, if anything, you'd be taking stuff away. You've got to get them to earn the right to move forward and lean forward and want to buy and want to have what it is that you have to offer. Why? Because you're very, very good at articulating what is the problem that this particular organization has, this particular potential customer has, and therefore you may have a solution that solves that problem. So this is a completely different approach to sales, and I can guarantee, based on experience, that by taking this approach, you're gonna win more deals than you don't. And here's the other thing about this approach. You're not necessarily gonna have to focus your time on closing the customer because the close of a sale or the next steps are just a logical uh, continuation of a conversation. And in many cases, the customer is going to be asking you, okay, what do we do next? What do we, what's the next step in here? What, 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 what happens now? And so it's no longer a pushy sales conversation where you feel as if I'm closing the deal, I've got the deal, got the contract signed. It's just an, a, a continual evolution of a conversation. So what is it that these elite salespeople, these professional salespeople, these exceptional salespeople and exceptional sales leaders do that is different that underpins this different approach. Well, here's some things to think about. And again, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but these are the things that definitely differentiate them against the, I guess, the needy, the pushy salespeople that sometimes you don't want to deal with and therefore you'll come up with excuses as to not do business with them, even though, even though in your heart of hearts, you know that the product they have or the service they have could definitely solve your problem. It's the way that these salespeople go about it that says, you know what, I'm not going to do business with this person because they're trying to convince me. They're trying to sell me. There's a level of desperation. Therefore, my natural human response is to reject and to push back. And that's not what we want to do, certainly as sales leaders and certainly as salespeople. So what is it that these elite salespeople, these professional and exceptional salespeople and leaders do that's different? Well, first of all, they don't have any neediness. There's this level, there's no level of desperation. They're not there 
they're not focused on pushing anything on onto a customer. They're not there to convince anybody. And one of the classic examples, I was having this conversation earlier with a client, and one of the changes we've made in their approach to market as part of their marketing and part of their, I guess, problem-solving exploration phase is to no longer send potential customers a white paper or what we call a pitch deck. And one of the reasons for that is that sometimes it can come across if the customer hasn't been qualified, then by sending a pitch deck, it's just sending them information, right? It's almost like, well, here's here's a brochure. If you're ever interested in products that we've got to offer, at least you've got some information. No, no, we've got to change this to say, well, is there a problem that they have that we potentially can solve? And if there is, we might have a solution. So first we qualify, and then we say, well, if this is of interest to you, and if there's a problem that's worth solving and you would like to solve the problem, there may be a case study or maybe some information that we can send you is that something that would be of interest? And so all of a sudden it's gone from pushing to now pulling because you've got to get somebody to lean forward and appear interested and therefore be qualified to receive the information, the case study, the, the pitch deck, etc. So there's no pushing and there's no convincing. I don't have to convince, convince anybody as to why they should work with me. What I'm really good at is articulating is there a problem that a leader potentially has? And if I can articulate that problem that they've got, then they will unconsciously attribute me as having a potential solution. So natural consequence of that is we will explore the solution. And then you know what? If, if there's a fit, we'll work together. If there's no fit, we won't. It's as simple as that. There's no hard sell. There's no close. And I'm, I'm equally happy to bring on a client as I am to not bring on a client. It's all good. So there's no pushing, no convincing. And if you're a client with me, if you work with me before, you know that there's no pushing involved. I don't, I don't hard sell, and never have, never will. That's not, that's just not me. And this is what the elite salespeople never ever do. They never push. They never convince. They're curious. They are always curious. What they do is they ask great questions because what they need to understand is is there a problem right now that needs to be solved? And so the level of curiosity will dictate that they'll ask great open-ended questions. But not only will they ask great questions, they'll do something equally, if not more important, is they'll intently listen and actively listen to the responses. They will listen to nuances in the people's language. They will listen to keywords they use. They will actively listen so that they can qualify whether there's actually a problem at all that can be solved. And through the act of questioning, they will probably spend the minority of the time in any conversation speaking because they're just asking questions and listening. They're getting the the potential customer to do all of the talking. And that's another key attribute of these great salespeople. When you you think all the other other salespeople do so much talking because they've got to get all this information out because they think that the product, the service, the features, the benefits, all the other stuff associated with it is going to convince the customer to take on the product. I can guarantee you it's going to do the complete opposite. So be really curious. Ask great questions and listen. The other thing that great salespeople do is they have absolutely no fixation with the outcome whatsoever. They walk into a sales conversation and they would love to do business with that particular customer. They would love to be able to help them. They'd love to be able to solve the problem. But whether that particular customer comes on board or not is of no consequence to them because if nothing else, they've just made a new connection. They don't have to place all this pressure on themselves to close the deal because they know there is an abundance of potential customers out there who are more than willing to want to do business with them because there's going to be a better match. And they're more than happy to walk away. Uh, more than happy to walk away. If there's no match, then don't push it. And hey, think about this. If you walk into a sales conversation and you identify within the first five minutes that there's no clear uh, benefit of continuing, there's no clear problem, there's no clear solution, there's no clear match in terms of 
their problem and your solution, then you know what? In a 30-minute conversation, you've just saved yourself 25 minutes. Walk away. It's all good. It's all good. No worries. But what do most salespeople do? They push through. They think, oh, I've got to try and find a, got to try and find a need. I've got to try. I've got a live customer here, so I've got to try and convince them that my product will will solve their solution. No, you don't. Walk away and be okay with that. Now, if you do this really well, if you do that really well, very rarely, if ever, will you have to close the sale because, as I said, the natural consequence of the conversation will be the potential customer is literally going to say to you, okay, what's the next step? Or the natural consequence is you just get into the next step and you'll start in the implementation phase. It's what the elite salespeople do. And it's all about the psychology. So understand this, and this is the key message for today. Understand that it is not your product that that is the prize. It is not your service that is the prize. You are the prize. And you need to understand that. So this is a psychology shift for many people. When we understand that, when we understand that what I have actually solves a genuine problem in the marketplace, there's a level of freedom that exists that all of a sudden I'm more than happy to serve uh, serve others. I'm more than happy to, to share a solution, but I'm only going to serve and, sh- and share that solution to a marketplace or to a potential customer who has identified or I've helped identify that there is a problem. Otherwise, I'm not going to have the conversation and I'm fine with that and be okay with that. So I trust that message helps. Understand that you are that prize and don't don't fall for, I've got to close a deal, I've got to close a deal. There is an abundance of customers out there. You don't have to go and chase them down. You don't have to convince them and you certainly don't have to close them. So I hope that message helps. I hope it resonates and I hope it is of value not only to you as a sales leader, but also equally, if not more importantly, uh, valuable to your team. Because here's one thing I know for 100% certainty. It's the sales leaders and the sales people who can adopt this approach to their selling game that are ones that ultimately will win, not just in the short term, but they'll win sustainably over the long term. And that's exactly what I'm all about when it comes to developing exceptional sales leaders, but also sustainably successful, exceptional sales teams. And as a reminder, if you'd like some help with this, and you are committed to being an exceptional sales leader, then let's start working together as early as this week, if not early next week. Simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com. You know the drill, pick a time. We'll sit down, have a Zoom call, talk about uh, what the program looks like and get you well on your way to being that exceptional sales leader that you know and I know that you're more than capable of becoming. So with that said, have a phenomenal rest of Thursday, the 27th of May, and I look forward to talking to you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.